This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. As Rhode Island's first ever member-owned credit union, Navigan Credit Union has been a staple in the local business community for more than 108 years. Today, Navigan is a $3.4 billion institution serving more than 136,000 members across 25 physical branch locations. But since its founding in 1915, the mission has never changed. Navigant Credit Union's team of financial professionals have remained committed to improving the financial well-being of the families, businesses, and communities they serve across Rhode Island. Learn more at navigantcu.org. For daily content, follow Bartholomew Town on Instagram and TikTok. Bartholomew Town is brought to you in part by the University of Rhode Island Online, who offer a wide array of programs. Learn more at uri.edu slash online or give them a call at 401-874-5280. That's 401-874-5280. Annette Majacomo, congratulations on becoming president. Did you ever dream that it would be, do you have the sort of access that President Biden has now that you have this new title, I guess would be my first question. (laughs) Let's definitely not compare me to President Biden. Start with that. But I won't say any more on that front. Um, You know, it's funny. Dave Duffy, who founded our firm in 1973, hired me. And when he hired me, I remember we were on Richmond Street, where Brown now Medical School bought bought that building and now is there. Um, And I remember sitting in his office. He had this great view of the city. And I was I was young. I was out of college, coming from Boston, and I was coming into this firm that I just thought was, you know, very well known in Rhode Island. And I remember sitting in his office and thinking, gee, I wonder if like I can ever like be here forever and be the president of an agency. You know, when you're young and you're just like so aggressive and you think like you can do his job that day, right? And yes. I, I still can, I still think of that memory of, of him and we talk about it frequently still. So I don't know, I guess the years went by and a lot of hard work ensued and here I am. And now I have this, you know, I think John Duffy and I over the past, what, 24 years have really reinvented or kept this firm um, very relevant which I think for a small business in the great state of Rhode Island is is a feat in and of itself. Um, and I think it's, where do we go from here? Mm. Well, that's the exciting part is where, where as things start to really, they've been shifting and they're going to continue to shift, certainly with the introduction of AI and certainly with an expanding narrowing of audiences, but, but an increase in overall audience as they become sort of yeah, part of micro so influencers and micro trends. How do you, how do you diversify a message while keeping it consistent? It's really interesting. Duffy and Shanley has been around for 51 years. You're just the fourth president in agency history. It's like the Pittsburgh Steelers of PR <laughs> here, you know, how about the Patriots? What about well, the Patriots? Well, they've had more than the Steelers have had only three coaches well, in there in the last. Okay. So it's like, okay. you know, the organization keeps okay. moving and that continuity is a big piece. So, sort of playing off of what you started with and that sort of idea of there's a legacy and it's been kept 
it, the steward is, has been a limited number of people. Where, what's the next chapter for Duffy and Shanley? I think the next chapter for us is making sure that we continue to innovate. We continue to stay ahead of our industry. So if we're speaking from a public relations perspective, how do we make sure that we as a business are keeping ahead of the trends and keeping our clients informed of those trends before they know? That's what makes us a valuable piece of their team, right? Because clients hire agencies because they don't have that internal support. And so they're looking for an expert that can act as an internal support, but also keep them one step ahead. And I think that's really hard. It sounds very simple, but when you're in the day-to-day of working, it's hard to make sure that you're not just doing the work, but you're also thinking about what's next. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. our people do that, right? I mean, I think our people are our greatest asset, no doubt. Um, I think as a business, we've been, I say this when we pitch new business, that we've been successful because we all really love what we do. And it sounds very simple, but we're all really invested into our industry and our craft. And we look for that when we hire new people too. Like we want to have the camaraderie. We want to have that, you know, passion. And I think if you have that, you're able to look forward and say, I have to now keep this business at the, t- at you know, running and how do we continue to grow? And I definitely have um, Dave, no doubt in my ear about <laughs> don't mess it up, you know? And so no pressure, but you know, what does it look like and how do you make sure you continue, continue to do great work? And I certainly think that John and I have, done that together for, wow, like, I don't know, 26, 27 years. Um, And we're going to continue to be that great firm that does that. We're in in a very, very big national pitch um, in mid-March. And it's so funny. It's us, which it usually is like this. It's us. And then we're up against like the behemoths of the PR world that have global offices in, you know, 30 countries. And we always say to ourselves, here we come. Here comes Duffy and Shanley. And the team will say, where are you from? Where are you based? Where Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, is that near like Long Island? Or where's that? Where, you know, when you're in Atlanta, that you know, that's the questions you get asked. But I love it. And I just think we'll continue to, that's who we want to be. Yeah, the frequent confusion still. Although I do think borders are less and less um, important as technology changes. So yeah, I think it's key, the long, that was a very long answer to your question. I think it's about make sure you're thinking about what's next all the time when you get stuck in the day to day so that you can innovate and you can continue to grow and change and adapt. You can't be, you can't, you have to be able to change. And I wonder if that's what's kept Duffy and Shanley so relevant for so long for over these years is that's that sort of reputation as somebody who has understands the moment but also can visualize where things are trending so that you can be a step ahead of whether it's competition or even just yourselves always trying to improve i think so 
And I also think it's our, I always say this to new clients, it's our account service. Clients want to be serviced. So if they're a very small client or they're a very big client, they want to know that their team is going to work hard for them and making sure that every client feels that we're going to do that. And I see in the industry, I see it a lot from clients that are either getting rid of their PR firms or not happy with their PR firms, whatever the case may be. And it sounds so simple sometimes, but they're not getting the kind of account service and work that they feel they deserve. And I think, you know, you have to, you've got to work. Estee Lauder said it. I use this quote all the time. It's not luck. It's hard work. So a little bit of luck might come in there, but you've got to do the work. And that's really important. And I feel that my team really shows that too, which I'm really proud of. And media, as I alluded to a few moments ago, media is changing so much right now. Advertising's changing. The way people consume information is changing. The delivery platform's changing. Now we're into the the optical space where who knows where that goes. AI is becoming a huge deal. Just even outside of your own company, from your standpoint, what are some of the major evolutions that you've had to navigate over the course of your career that have prepared you for this moment where there's incredible evolution happening so rapidly? Do you know what's so funny? I started at Duffy in 1997, and I will never forget we got the first like purple IMAX, you know, the color IMAX, and we get them delivered oh, yeah. to our desks, and we didn't have the – there was no internet. It was like AOL or something. And I remember, I remember that we were going to, we were, this was going to be a big deal that we were going to have access to AOL. We used to fax news releases and media alerts. I mean, fax them and then pick up the phone and call people and say, Hey, did you hear this is happening? We'd love for you to cover XYZ. And I just think now, that's just, I mean, in 20 something years, look how much that's changed. We're using social to to speak with, you know, media across the country. We're using um, email. I still tell people to pick up the phone. We're using personal relationships. So it's funny. Technology has changed the way PR people speak to media. And this 24-7 news cycle, which didn't exist, that's, I think, the biggest difference is, you know, in the early 2000s, it wasn't a 24-7 news cycle. And so the heightened, you know, it's kind of that has heightened the need for vigilance and like really being agile and being able to like what is happening and assess what's happening and be able to respond quickly and then use whatever tool we have in our toolbox to do just that. But the other thing that I stress to, um, I just spoke to a senior class of college students about public relations. The other thing I stress to them is go back to 1997 and pick up the telephone and create a relationship with somebody. So don't just shoot off an email or send them something that they have no interest in reading about because you're not paying attention to what it is they're covering because you're just, that's just a bad model. So don't just blast emails and blast information to the world So I think some of those things have, you know, remain important and technology just has changed in the way we deliver it 
but always go back to the fundamentals of how do you get your clients in front of the right people and the right audiences by knowing who you're talking to, right? Completely agree. But the pace has changed too. That's the, that's the problem. It's the pace, you know? Right. And being able to be on top of it as much as you need to be. And I, want, I would imagine to be able to sustain it because the 24-7 news cycle, although that means there's more content, yeah. it means that more stories are brought into a larger context and many of them fade away in less than 24 hours. So being able to sustain a story and sustain a brand's journey is, I would imagine, even more difficult yeah. than ever before. Yeah. And the media landscape, there used to be magazines are a good example. We do a lot in the consumer product space. So the in-styles, the allures, the cosmos, the, you know, those like magazines of the world have just, they had staffs of hundreds of like writers and now they have, you know, one or two. It's crazy, you know, and I think the volume of people that's there has just really seriously changed. Um, And so that's even harder because there's a lot of freelance reporters that we're talking to. Um, There's a lot of different ways our consumer is getting information, especially with, we represent a lot of, I like to say consumer products from sunglasses to t-shirts to, you know, so many people write about that. Right. And it's like figuring out where are they, who are they and making sure we're being relevant to them. It's hard. It's not easy. Duffy and Shanley has a reputation on a hyper local level as being a major political and business player, so to speak. But the agency is doing a lot of national consumer-centric work as well. I guess balance, how do you balance those two areas and what sort of overlap exists between yeah. that hyper-local space and then the consumer-centric national or global general yeah. space? You know what I think it is? It's building really good teams within to lead different versions of of what a PR firm should be, right? So we have really good teams that know Rhode Island very well and have deep knowledge in, you know, what's happening here and how we can play a role in that. And then we have teams that work on the national side. And I think what's so interesting, and we're so lucky to have this, is we spend a lot of time talking to each other because a lot of the basic principles and the lot, a lot of our success is going to come from the same place, right? So the challenges might be different, obviously, from a you know, political or we do a lot of you know, work in Rhode Island. But again, we're all working towards the same, inco- same outcome of making sure we're communicating effectively and we're using the right platforms to do that. And I think that we share a lot of time together to talk about best practices and how does something relate, you know, on a national level? What does it mean on a local level? Because a lot of it is the same and we have good perspective. We're so lucky at an agency. And this is why I think I've always worked at an agency and I'll never forget my senior year of college. I was so clueless on what I was going to do with my life. And I was a marketing major and I was, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And one of my professors, I'll never forget what said to me, you know, you should walk across the street 
and go talk to this PR firm. They're opening a new hotel resort, and I think you would be good at that. You should help them tell everybody about this. You know, here I am, some you know, a young twenty-year-old college student. I just walked across the street, went up to the top floor of this building, and was like, "Oh, I think I should be in PR." You know, and I think I think back mm-hmm. to that, and I think mm-hmm. it started my love for agency, and I think in an agency where I was getting to with this long story is I get to see so many versions of what communications is because we're working with such a variety of clients that it really teaches you and allows you to think very different differently and bring different perspectives to different clients because you have such a, a wide variety of them. Um, and I loved, I love doing that. I don't think if I, I think if I worked for one client, I, I would, I wouldn't like that so much. <laughs> so I think the answer is, you know, we try to, what's happening nationally? How does it correlate locally? And how do we work together to be the best version of a PR team that we can be? And I think we're so proud of that. 51 years is a long time for an agency of our size to remain successful and continue to innovate Mm. and make sure that we're, you know, we're doing great work. It's hard. It's not easy. That's for sure. It's an incredible statistic. There's really no doubt about it. Lastly here, um, any fun dinner party stories, any, any behind the scenes stuff that you haven't signed any non-disclosure agreements pertaining to that you can share with us from, from over the course of your career? So somebody asked me last week about what was the, what was the worst moment or what was like a, if you think back, like what was something that you just want to cringe on or say, ooh, that was rough. And I will never forget this. We were at the Consumer Electronics Show in, in Las Vegas. It's a huge trade show for the electronics industry. And we represented uh, Motorola baby monitors, which we don't represent them anymore. They were a great client, but they kind of diverse and broke up and went different ways. And the CEO who was not involved in the day-to-day of the PR, he was based overseas. He was, it was, it was just a weird dynamic of people and people coming in and out. But the CEO was insisted that he get on the CNET stage at um, CES. So in the technology world, like the CNET stage is really important. They do live shows from there and CNBC was covering it. And he insisted he was, he wanted to be on that show and he didn't, just Annette, you better get me on this show. Like there was no way I was not getting him on this show. So we get him on the show and I meet him in Vegas. We meet at a spot. We walk over to the show. He doesn't say one word to me. doesn't, I don't even think he actually even greeted or acknowledged me. He just walks in. Where's the stage? I said, oh boy, this is going to be, this is like not going to (laughs) be, I'm like worried about this. So he goes up to, gets up onto the stage and the host, before they start filming, said something that he just did not, didn't like. So he stood up, got his glasses, threw his glasses that were in his hand at me in the front row, and took his jacket off, threw it on the floor, and said to the host, I'm not doing your show, and walked right off the stage. And I will never forget how horrified. I, this is probably... 15 years ago now. So I was, you know, 
I was still young and not jaded like now. And I'll, I'll never, I almost just wanted to cry right there in the front audience because the producer just hated my guts. He's, he threw his glasses at me. And I just think back, I've never in my career, never, ever, and even after that, have had a client that was like that. So there you go. And I don't know what I learned from that tenacity or to just smile and walk away. I don't know. I think that's what I learned. Because it's horrifying. I say to some of the young team when they are frustrated or they feel like they're being attacked or, you know, by anything in personal or professional, like sometimes just take a deep breath and just think, okay, how did this just go? And I'm going to let's walk away or let's make a plan to handle that differently. And it's okay. It's going to happen. So 